believing ourselves and look what's happened, it's unreal. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. This episode is going to be a review of Austria Women 2, Northern Ireland Women 0, and a preview of the big one, the one we've all been looking forward to, looking forward to slightly a little bit nervous and terrified for at the England game on Friday night. I am joined by Lauren McCann, and I'm joined by Stuart Cherry, who's on his lunch break at work. He is obviously living over in New York, different times under the rest of us. So we're not going to do any, how are you? I don't care. We're not going to do any opening questions. We're going to get stuck straight in and try and get as much content into what the time we have. And uh, Lauren, I'll start with you because you were there. You were lucky enough to be there on Monday night uh, for the game. Just talk us a bit through, you know, the the atmosphere and the and the vibe around the city and the Green and White Army before we, we even talk about any of the football. Yeah, it was a great day. Um, even the flight over, you know, there's so many Northern Ireland fans on the flight. Warren Carney in front of me and all his kids had made like tops on saying grand is green and white on me, which I thought was really cute. And then, yeah, getting to the stadium. Um, we didn't end up at the fans park, but I know some of my friends did and they all kind of marched over together at the stadium. And, you know, we were trying to find our stand and we just happened to be at the, no- it was the noisiest stand, you know, you couldn't miss it. Um, Tell you what, know. like you can't take Northern Ireland fans anywhere in July. They'll find a way to get a march in, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And um, yeah, just as soon as you went in, you know, it was about an hour before kickoff we got there and it was already, you know, the place was bumming the Northern Ireland end and they had the big drum out and yeah, it was just unreal and obviously the weather really helped and you just got out in the atmosphere, you know, generally non-stop singing the, the whole match, even when Austria had scored, you know, it was just constant so it was just amazing a great occasion I know obviously everybody was disappointed with the result but you know you can just see the pride everybody has you know people stayed at least half an hour to 40 minutes after the game just to applaud them off so it just kind of shows you know what this team means for everybody back at home and there is that real connection you feel that you you don't really get from from other teams or bigger teams or kind of full-time players and, and, and players playing at a really high level they don't really have that same connection with the supporters because for a lot of those girls, they are, they do just see themselves, well, probably all of them do just see themselves as, as one of us. They were all having to go back to work in, in a couple of weeks' time. Well, most of the team and, and, and most of the fans and, and, and everyone's kind of the same. And we've sort of, we're all in it together. And you really do get that feel about it, which is just one of the fantastic things about supporting Northern Ireland that you don't really get if you support a, or if you're from a bigger country or a, a bigger football nation in terms of prowess so yeah to see that the players going over at the end was just was just fantastic and obviously all the kids getting their autographs signed and their photos taken just just really warms your heart and I did really enjoy seeing that on the on the television Stuart we'll get stuck into the football it's another respectable result I would say and um, we can talk about the performance in a little bit more details we go on but it's two respectable results now it's two probably Slightly overpower results, I would say. And certainly, if you look back at some of the results we've had, certainly against Norway, and that was that was the case. Obviously, we've had some tight affairs with Austria, and it is a tight affair. And Northern Ireland are competitive right up until the end. And I think you mentioned that in your little analogy at the end of the last podcast, gold would be a win, silver a draw, and bronze a, a spirited and a spirited and competitive performance. And I certainly think we at least got bronze there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think again the magnitude of it, and I think you know. I, in the last pod, trying to be quite positive about it, you know, and funny, I've read something, Marissa Callahan said something very similar. You've got to go into these games thinking you're going to win. But they were still so, like, you know, they were 21st in the world, Austria. Is yeah. that correct? Um, and obviously 47th. So the Dolphin class was, was, was 
there on paper at least. You know, we went for it. You know, um, it, to, uh, at, at times in the in the second half, um, I think the fitness to me proved a bit more of an issue. Um, maybe that is just you know the conditioning games qualifying games over a longer period of time um, in a major championship become thick and fast. Laura, you were saying, Laura, you were saying there is 40 degree heat. Um, or was that Kenny Shields? Um, but it was incredibly hot. You're against these, you know, quality, quality players. More possession in the last game, more passes than the last game, better accuracy than the last game, more corners, more shots. We created more and did more than we did against Norway. Um, and as I say, without uh, a late sucker punch, with a few minutes ago, you know, it might have been even more respectable in terms of a scoreline. Um, those are, I think, some of the positives from it, I think, as an overview. Um, I think the golf and class was there, which sort of took me a bit by maybe naive surprise, having watched us in the two previous games against Norway over the last number of months. I was a bit disappointed with that. Um, and I feel at times in the first half, there was a bit, we were a bit too cautious. I almost feel that the, the phrase, giving a team too much respect, um, that's maybe a, an argument you could you could um, or a challenge you could put to Kenny. Was he a bit too cautious in his approach in, in the first half? Did we sit back um, too much? Um, and we can go into it from the goals perspective. I think certainly if you look at the first goal, we were right back on the six six yard line when that free kick came in, um, and that's potentially one of the issues. Too much respect given, bit too cautious in the first half, but overall. Again, it's another performance in a major championship and the girls held their own. They absolutely did. I think that's a, a very fair assessment, Lauren. From the perspective of the actual game, and the thing I have to keep reminding myself is that Northern Ireland aren't the only team with a fairy tale in this tournament. We always think as it's 1-0 ticking towards the 90 minutes, even if the logic of how the game's gone doesn't in any way suggest that we're going to get an equaliser, you can't help but feel there's going to be a corner or there's going to be something, just some moment of magic that we're going to have. And it doesn't quite come. We actually, we do get, Stuart mentioned the, the stats are, we do get more corners and it felt that we had a little bit more so from in from by way of set pieces, I think for Norway, the, the corner we end up scoring from is maybe our first of the game. Certainly, I don't remember getting excited about anything really before that from an attacking point of view. And the corners don't really quite happen for us. They seem to be aiming for Furness and she doesn't quite get the runs right or the delivery isn't quite right. There's a couple of short corners. And I think it was endemic of the fact that maybe against Norway, and I think this is actually when you compare England's games against Austria and against Norway, you know, Norway are a much better team than Austria, but Austria went into the England game knowing their their limitations and knowing their strengths at the back, essentially, whereas I think well, I was in the pub and wasn't really paying attention to the England game, but I suspect part of the problem was that Norway came out and tried to go toe-to-toe with England and, and left the gaps, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm actually not as worried about a hammering from England just because of the Norway game and, and just comparing those scores. But you did feel as though the girls themselves from a psychological point of view didn't want to take a hammer in this game and didn't quite want to commit quite too early. And I don't know, you know, Stuart mentions that uh, about the, the setup and whether Kenny was too conservative. I don't really know whether that was Kenny or the players themselves. I think there's an element of that comes into it. And from a, a purely football and ignore the fairy tale of it point of view, we don't do enough to demerit a point really, do we? No, and I think the frustrating thing is, you know, Austria kind of were there for the game. Like, there were gaps, there were times, you know, there was one run in the first half from Wade and the second one in the second half from Wade. And if she gets her touch right, I think that was 
quite evident, you know, some of the touches, the first touches of the players really cost them. And it, yeah. it seemed to keep happening, you know, our passes just seemed to be a bit sloppy too. And, you know, you think when we, we kept the possession well, you know, when we want it back around the back, but, you know, if we could just spring it forward quickly, you know, we'll have the likes of Wade and McGuinness down oh. both wings and if they could get across him. But I think the false nine of playing Callahan on the false nine kind of was detrimental as well because, yeah. you know, when they got into those positions, she's not really the type, you know, she's more of a late run into the box. He's not going to be bursting forward. Um, so I think... But we he, he sort of, of did what we we mentioned in the podcast, which is drop Furnace back. And, you know, you guys mentioned the pre-pod that the Furnace didn't quite have the effect and, and didn't have her best game. But I thought even just having her as a presence added a little bit of bulk to the midfield, which made a little bit of a difference from a defensive shape point of view. I don't know whether that's because Austria aren't quite as good going forward as Norway. Yeah, but I thought maybe he could have done... He could have put Julie Andrews in there and had the same effect and maybe had, you know, furnace further forward because I don't think she was kind of wasted. I know she won a few battles in there, but, you know, I think she, she was rarely involved and that's not something you normally say about Rachel Furness in the yeah. Northern Ireland shirt. And, um, yeah, it was just disappointing because, you know, Austria are a good side. I think you would say they're more of an efficient side if you're kind of, you know, thinking of a tier ranking. I was kind of thinking of this before the podcast, you know, like from what I've seen so far, England and Germany are kind of that top tier, the likes yeah. of Spain as well. And then Austria, maybe, you know, Finland, Denmark are kind of in that tier below. And then I think Northern Ireland are just below that as well, you know, a wee bit more attack and threat. And I think you could push up because we certainly have, you know, the base. We were pretty solid all day. The, the first goal was a really poor one to concede and the second one, you know, we did kind of push forward a bit um, and we got caught in the break and it was a good finish. But yeah, I, I think it, it's kind of, you know, it, it seems harsh. It seems that we're, you know, being pernickety, but Northern Ireland even being in the tournaments is a blessing. But just when you're there and when, when I was at the game, there was kind of that sense, you know, if, if they just actually, one of those attacks, they kind of pressed a few players forward. I think they could have caused Austria a few problems. Could have done. Lauren, sorry, Andy, I was just going to ask Lauren when you were there. It was just, it's really interesting that we were talking, you know, pre-pod, um, that defensively, if you look, if you break down each sort of area of the team so far in the Euros, defensively, you know, we'll get on to that. I'm sure we'll wax lyrical about the performances of some of the defenders. Offensively, you know, obviously we've been talking about Simone McGill and the, the, the loss that she's had. When you were watching the game like in the midfield, because I thought midfield against Norway, we were per. Um, but when you were there, you know, on... Um, Watching the game in Southampton, what did the midfield's cohesion look like? What did it look like in terms of from a um, from a, like an even energy standpoint? Because I felt again, Andy, I don't know if you disagree with that. I felt again we were bossed in midfield as opposed to controlling it. I thought um, when the changes came on, they definitely helped. I think we we tired a bit by that stage. So like the Callahan and Furness, I think you know. They had, you know, given what they they're all, but I just don't think that really the impact. I thought Chloe McCarran was much better. I know I thought she, she was brilliant second half. Yeah, she she did have a few mistakes there in the first half. Was quite nervy, but I certainly think she improved in the second half. And yeah, I think it was better than Norway. But as you said, it just wasn't quite there. I think from a defensive standpoint, it was good. But then there was kind of still that big gap between you know the wingers and even Callahan playing as the false nine. There just there wasn't that link in between. In terms of the midfield shirt, we'll, we'll come on to talk about that. And I guess it's a question about the England game. We're not certainly far from done talking about the Austria game, but there is an issue and you think you're talking extremely disrespectfully about two absolute stalwarts of this Northern Ireland team. But 
when you look at England and the level of fitness and the level they're playing at, I would be slightly worried. I know Callahan wasn't exactly playing in midfield, but I would be slightly worried to have Callahan and Furness in the same side. They're just they can't. There's no way they can cover the same ground at the age they are. They've done well to keep themselves incredibly fit so far, um, and they've put in good performances by all accounts. But I would actually like to see a an Andrews or a McDaniel come into that side, and not for Chloe McCarran. I'd like to see Chloe McCarran start as well. Do you think that's an issue going forward? Do you think one or two, it was like Furnace plays every game, but because Furnace has to play, then some of the older midfielders who can't cover quite as much ground and have to adapt their game a little bit more have to be seen as impact subs going forward for Northern Ireland? It's a really good point and it's a really interesting one. I was watching the highlights of the England Norway game and it was just like, bloody hell, this is just like England's pressing was incredible. I think it was yeah. one of their, their goals, the fourth and the fifth goal, that they were just right on top of the Norwegians like Norway were trying to play it out from the back and England were on it straight away so sharp Mead in particular is terrifying how quick she is it's really really scary and it's an interesting point I looking at this and I again I don't have the same level of knowledge on, on women's football as, as yourself or Lauren but that fitness and that sharpness seems to be such an important aspect of this it's it's you you get yourself into trouble and if you're not quick enough you'll you'll be in a hell of a lot of trouble i think he does need to freshen it up a bit in the midfield i think bearing in mind miss callan has just come back from a pretty awkward injury um on the eve of the finals um and you throw everything into that the heat the quick turnaround of matches recovering from injuries age etc etc there's a lot of variables there that you cannot carry any players and i think if you're in midfield you've got to make a choice for the next game at least, is it Callahan or you start with Furnace? Because I don't think you can start with both in midfield. But to your point, you probably want Furnace there to at least have an impact, at least have a presence in midfield, because I feel that she is probably, and Lauren, you might want to put your fingers in the ears. I think maybe Furnace is a better ball player um than than, than Callahan, though I'm, I'm sure Cliffs will do play a better style than Liverpool. Um, but th- that's the change. And I, you know, the likes of um Lee Andrews um, and Louise McDaniel, I think, can definitely add a bit more energy in midfield, yeah. which I think is what we're going to need against a very energised, fit and highly conditioned England team. I completely agree with that. I think Andrews showed that when she, she played the game at Windsor Park and uh, McDaniel. There were a couple of times when Andrews and McDaniel came on where the touch really wasn't good and they lost the ball, but you could even see the, the way they reacted to it. There was just a bit of a, a, a yard quicker than a Callahan or a Furnace. And I think Stuart's right. You, you do have to play Furnace in every game purely because of the impact. And I think Callahan over the last two years and under Kenny Shields has, has played her best football for Northern Ireland when she's been playing off the left, when he's going for a three up front and she can sort of be in that hybrid of central midfield to 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 to, to the left-hand side of attack. I think that's when she's been at her best. I think she plays in that position when we, we beat Ukraine at home and obviously scores the goal. Obviously the way we're playing and we seem to be playing in this tournament. I can't see us going with a, a direct three up front and it's easier to do that when you've got a McGill. We don't really have an out-and-out striker that's obvious to play in the squad. Wade's more of a wide player. McGuinness is as well. And it, it's a little bit awkward. And I wondered if at times on Monday night, if we could have a little bit more of a focal point and just Wade directly through the middle. Um, that was something that I thought could have been could have happened. And because we were kind of sitting in and playing a little bit conservatively, having we having Wade as that direct, not target player, but focal point through the middle could it could have been a change that he did, but he sticks sort of with the two up front. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the, the players I thought played well, Lauren. Um, first of all, well, we mentioned McCarran, but I think Sarah McFadden's certainly been Northern Ireland's best player in this tournament so far. She's a joy to watch. She's in that 
that role of a, of a central defender where she really, really just hammers into tackles. She doesn't mind taking a risk, but she knows she can get back in there. And she was absolutely crunching some of the Austria players on Monday night. It was, it was a really, really good performance. And I think her, her husband or her partner tweeted out, you know, 35 years old and a teacher and absolutely boss in the Euros. You know, this is, this is stuff of dreams. It's phenomenal stuff. And she's been amazing over these two games. Yeah, definitely. And I think she was the most commanding out of the back three on, on Monday night again. And it was just was a superb performance. You know, any mistake that she didn't make, even though I didn't think she didn't put her foot wrong many times, it was more she was bailing other people out with those tackles. But they were so well-timed as well as being, you know, the tackle everybody wants to see. It was yeah. really well-timed. She came away with the ball and I think she did help Northern Ireland progress when she didn't get forward. I, I was a bit disappointed in Demi Vance. I thought she looked quite nervous. She obviously gives away the, the clumsy free kick that leads to the goal. But yeah, Sarah McFadden was just unbelievable again. And, you know, she, she does keep up with play so well for, you know, not being disrespectful for her age, but she yeah. does read very well. And just go back to the point kind of like, um, you know, the likes of McDaniel and, and Andrews, you know, when they came on, they demanded the ball, which I thought was great to see as well. You know, they weren't afraid. And I think that'll be key against England as well. If you are going to, you know, try and avoid even a hammer or try to get in the front foot a wee bit against them. I think yeah, they're completely players. fearless, aren't they? They're going to, yeah. they're not going to be overawed by the occasion. They're just going to go out there and play their football. Yeah, and even Callahan, you know, that kind of hybrid left road she kind of plays the Cliftonville, but obviously Mingus is on the left, but she kind of floats it like so I think as you said that suits her better. So yeah, fairness I could I could definitely see in ahead of her. But yeah, Sarah McFadden just I think she was the, the player of the match. I know Jackie Burns made a few saves, but she also had a few nervous moments. So I think Sarah McFadden is the one who comes away with, with the most credit for another, you know, phenomenal performance. Because apart from the two goals, Austria, I know they had a few shots, but they really didn't threaten that much close to goal. Andy, I was going to say from a stats perspective, you know, like a good stat uh, to to echo what Lorna said. If you look at the UEFA Euro Women's uh, website, uh, tackles, Sarah McFadden is the top player in the Euros for tackles. She's got 10 balls recovered. Uh, Sorry, she's the second most, sorry, uh, German um, Oberdorf has got 11, McFadden's got 10. She's the second highest in terms of balls recovered. Um, And and Jackie Burns is is the second in terms of saves. But those two stats from McFadden, second in terms of tackles and and balls recovered is is a brilliant endorsement of her performances in the last two games where you've got Herregerberg, Bila and Hansen, like three really, really good strikers, European class and Bila and world class and the two Norwegians. And, and and she's performed incredibly well against all three. Absolutely. And I think that, that first of all, those numbers are going to go up if we're going to get anything against England because she's going to have a lot of tackling and recovering of balls to do um, if we're to get anything from that game. Also, just, just to mention one particular moment on, on Sarah McFadden, when Austria are breaking through and there's quite a clear square across the goal and she just gets the toe to it, like that was a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of defending, like really, really, really good. Um, and it, that's, there's, it, there's nothing more to that than just being in the right place at the right time. But also, Austria were breaking forward and Sarah McFadden was at full pelt to get back and she just about does enough. And that's all about starting position um, and all about timing it right. Like it was that, that moment for me was, was one of the moments of the match. I thought it was great. Um, sure, just another player I thought was, was brilliant before we come on to talk about England. I thought McCarran's second half really brought quality when it was needed in that midfield. I think first half, we struggled to get a, a control of it in, in middle third areas and final third areas. And second half, um, you know, McCarran's playing the ball out and really, really grooves into the game. I thought, she, especially first 15 minutes, she had a really, really good game. And it was kind of interesting at times in the first half, uh, she seemed very keen to play backwards. And that's something that is used as a, 
a criticism an awful lot with midfielders. They only play cyber passes. They only play backwards. They only play backwards. Sorry. But I thought, first of all, it was an endorsement of her own faith in her own ball playing ability. And um, she knows she can she can hold on to it and, and pick a pass rather than just sort of going forward. Maybe the obvious option being weighed in behind, I would say. But also the faith Northern Ireland had to, in, in that our best way of, of getting from here to the goal is by building an attack right from the back. And we can see the faith they have in Jackie Burns. It's not the same faith I have in her sometimes when the ball goes back to her. Like, I mean, at, at one point, my mates who weren't that interested in the football brought a load of shots over to the table. And normally I'd be like, no, 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 it's a work night. I'm not doing it. But I was like, yes, give me all three because uh, I, I can't do Jackie Burns and, uh, and, and this level of sobriety right now. But uh, I think Burns actually has a great game. But in terms of McCarran, yeah, those were the two things I took away from her performance. And I think, you know, especially given that, that she makes a mistake in the in the first game and she's a young player, it would have been quite easy for her to, to, to I guess, hide or play the easy ball or play the simple ball or funnel it out to somebody um, in, in a lesser position. But I thought she showed a lot of bravery and it was really impressive. I think she's a ringing endorsement of how Kenny Shields also wants to play. Yeah. And I like that. And you can see the faith that they have in the process and then the, the faith that Kenny Shields has in players executing that process. Um, Neil Lennon made uh, a very successful career in playing backwards and sideward passes um, in terms of how he did things. And I actually think sometimes when a player comes in, I mean, she had her struggles. She was at Birmingham City, wasn't she, yeah. for less than a year? And uh, she played that many games, yeah. I mean, 10 really or 12. Really serious problems with that club as well, I think, in terms of paying the players. And it was just a massive mess. And I feel that then to come back, because obviously if you're coming back, you should say Glentoran, you know, to come back, you know, that takes, you know, to go from amateur football to full-time football to then to come back again. You know, that's a... I can mess with your head. I can mess with your performances, but I actually like that. I like when someone comes on and they're assured, you know, plays and they're assured in that way. And if it, I would rather a player play the ball back at times, whether to the center half, full back, keeper, that we can build from the back as opposed to a panicked or a rush ball forward or sideways that gets in, intercepted. And I feel it does actually demonstrate a degree of real maturity and, and game management. That I'll be honest with you, I in, in the circumstances. I was more calm with her doing it, granted, and I think we can come on one to Jackie Burns in a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, bar a few balls back to Jackie Burns, I, I thought McCann did actually a really, really good job. Um, and again, the step up is massive from the Irish League to the Euros. And I felt she she um, was calmness where we needed it at times, especially in that midfield area. Definitely. And uh, I, th- I thought Burns, Burns did really well. I mean, the, she makes one very obvious mistake, which she then atones for with a really good save where she tips on the crossbar. But apart from that, yeah, you do get a little bit panicky, but this is the way Kenny wants her to play. And the thing that, that always strikes me when I sort of really started watching this team as well, Jackie Burns, was, was their distribution massively stood out in terms of how comfortable she was playing it, that chip ball out to the fullbacks or playing it out from the back. But she was mentioned the other day. She's not sort of like a sweeper keeper by nature. She was, it took her a while to get used to it when Kenny Shields first came in. Um, and she said, you know, I, I wasn't used to it. I, w- I was nervous playing it. So it's not as if she'd grown up and she was always this type of player. She's had to mold herself into that. So there's naturally going to be those sort of teething problems. But I think it's just like like the, the same point I made on McCarran. I'll make the same point on Burns. You know, she makes a mistake in the first game. She makes a mistake at the start of the Austria game. 
the head doesn't go down. It, it doesn't go to them. I'm just going to play the simple pass. And you know, <laughs> that must be so difficult. I don't think I'd do that, especially as, as, as these girls, as I say, are only part-time as well. You know, to, to play with that sort of level of confidence and mentality. I mean, Kenny and the team behind them has, has obviously done some serious work on, on that side of the game because it, it's bravery that at a level that I, I can't comprehend personally. She, she got herself out of jail and consequently us out of jail by making you know, will be on clips of one of the seeds of the tournament. Yeah. When she tips it onto the bar. Yeah. So she got that, you know, was it that photo moment that all keepers look for? Um, and to the point where no one's going to remember the, the dodgy kick. Yeah, yeah. they're just going to remember her flying acrobatically. Her, uh, the, the one where she, she sort of tries to catch and just flicks it over the bar. I don't know if you've seen it, Lauren, but she makes an amazing face after it. Like it's pure mean weather. <laughs> like it's pure, pure relief. <laughs> like it, it's one of the most Northern Irish reaction to something I've ever seen. I meant it. I meant it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But then she, you know, she makes a really good, I don't think it made the highlights, makes a really good save first half where I think the ball sort of played across and it, it it's kind of the opposite of what you said, Stuart, a camera save there. She kind of comes out and just blocks it and it doesn't look like an amazing save, but it's a great piece of goalkeeping. And then I think she makes a really good one towards the end or a couple of good ones towards the end where, as you say, you want them to avoid that 3-4-0 because I don't think we deserved it uh, based on our own performance. But let's go on to talk a little bit about England. Uh, Lauren, it's, it is a terrifying proposition. They beat Norway 8-0, um, 6-0 up at halftime, I believe, 6-7-0 up, I can't remember which one. Uh, it was only 1-0 over Austria, but I think as I made the point earlier in the podcast, that's because Norway were going to go toe-to-toe and Austria weren't exactly. Now, we know Northern Ireland aren't going to deviate from their philosophy. They're not going to start pumping it up the pitch. They're not going to stick 11 players behind the ball and just play a, a pure, uh, you know, backs-to-the-wall job. But if Northern Ireland are too expansive in this game, it could be a cricket score. Yeah, definitely. You know, that was an electric performance from England. That was pure ruthlessness um, at every opportunity. And I think they kind of had to go out and give a performance like that because, you know, obviously they deserved to win the Austria game, but only by one good margin. And obviously, you know, at home Euros, everybody's going to be questioning them and have pressure, but they really, you know, answered their critics there. And I know we, you know, they'll probably rest a few, but it makes little difference to Northern Ireland considering the quality that they're going to bring in. So, yeah, I know Candy will want to stick to his philosophy, but I think there might be the same kind of rigidness shown against Austria, but maybe to, you know, an even higher level against England, because as you say, you know, last game of the Euros, you have give two spirited performances, two decent results in the context of the games. You know, you don't want to go out with an eight or nine nil hammering, you know, if Norway can get it, I think. I know, you know, Julie Andrews came out and said, you know, we're not worried, but there should be, you know, a kind of hesitation to go all guns blazing. Um, but it will be interesting to see what kind of team he does put out, you know, the way he was talking after the Euros, it's it's kind of like this is the time for a lot of players, you know. I don't know if they'll make that decision or he will, but it's kind of like a the new the new ones are being ushered through. And you can see that with the subs he brought on the other night, you know, all of them were under 22. I think, you know, Abby McGee was probably the oldest. It was her, McDaniel, Wilson, Andrews and Caitlin McGuinness, you know, all young players and all young players playing the Irish League, which was another endorsement of the league. So it will be very interesting to see what type of team he puts out. But I think, you know, he's only going to go with a, f- a few of those youngsters and it'll just be in maybe, you know, the midfield position where it needs freshened up. It won't be just, you know, going, you know, crazy formations three of, you know, that proper expansive football he, he normally likes to play. Yeah, I think, yes, they certainly strike that right balance. It's, it's important to get that right between the experience that you want from the team playing on such an occasion, first of all, but also against a team of such quality. And also getting that energy that, that we talked about before. Stuart, the last two games we've played against them in the last year, obviously, they were in our World Cup qualifying groups. It ends 4-0 at, at Wembley and 5-0 at Windsor. 
Now, I would do a little bit of analysis of that 4-0 at Wembley. I was there, but I, I don't remember a, a great deal of it. So uh, hopefully one of you two watched it. <laughs> no, no reason there. It was just a wee while ago, wasn't okay, it? Okay. Um, but it was 0-0 at halftime. I do remember that. And it, we were only 1-0 down at Windsor. Um, obviously, the, the scores roll in the second half. But what 0-0 or 1-0, you'd, you'd snap your hand off at halftime for that on, on Friday night, wouldn't you? Well, I was just looking at that. We obviously played England three times, 6-0 on that friendly in Burton. Um, and it's funny, actually, over the sort of 15 goals we've conceded with them, only four, we've only conceded four in the first half over the three games. It's been yeah. the second half where they've really been able to, um, you know, put the foot down. And I was actually thinking of that prior to England's game against Norway last night. It was like, you know what, we actually might be able to keep them. <laughs> then I saw England score five goals in the first sort of half hour against yeah. <laughs> arguably one of the best teams in the world. I thought, okay, <laughs> right. How is this going to go? Um, because if they do it the first half and the second half, then we're in a bit of trouble. Look, I think the, the thing about this England team is they are so unbelievably ruthless. They just punish every single mistake. There's so much pace in the team. I think, as I mentioned earlier, um, a couple of players I just really, really like, certainly when they played us the last two times. I think Mead is a very obvious choice, but I really just think she has class. Yeah. One of the goals she scored against Norway, cut inside, at a shimmy pass the defender, a beautiful step over, and just a gorgeous finish just on the, on the bottom corner. Um, Tuna thing is great. Hemp is great. Stamina. You could just go through the team. They've got quality players at every single position. And I think you mentioned, Andy, they're going to probably our our favourites. Um, it's just so interesting. Like if we can get a mix, they were cagey against Austria and only scored one. They were ruthless against Norway and scored eight. Nice sort of middle ground. Oh, sort if of, could be shite against know, us and score none, that would be great. Yeah, that's, or, 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 you know, four and a half England nil Northern Ireland. You know, look, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the big thing. Is the, big, the big thing, I think, is how we approach this match because we know that England are just going to be really superior to us in every single department, okay? I think, to Lauren's point, we do need a freshness to this game because if we are jaded, if we're bringing any player in that's carrying any knocks or any fatigue, that is where we're going to, we will get clearly exposed. Yeah. And I think it is so, so, so important that opening 20 minutes or 25 minutes that we keep that rigidness. And whether that is through an old experience head like Callahan and Furness in midfield, or it's we're matching them for energy. So we either shut up shop or we match them for energy. And I'm sure that's the sort of dilemma that Kenny's thinking about. Yeah. And I think we definitely have to go for the latter there, Lauren. It probably will be nine maybe even 10 or 11 changes for England in this game. They're obviously through as top as group winners at this point. Not mathematically, I don't think, but nobody's catching their goal difference, obviously, no matter who wins that Austria-Norway game, if indeed there is a winner. I think we've had the same conversation about what constitutes success in these games, and we know we can't really say it's a point. It's certainly, we can't say a point is, is what is expected for success in this game. I think Stuart rattles off the last three results, 4-0, 5-0, and 6-0, in obviously no particular order there. But I think anything between 4 and 6 is fine and is probably par here. Anything more is a little bit of a humping, and I don't think we want to really we want to really take that home with us. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, definitely, especially you know, if he, he does decide to stick you know, on Andrews and maybe a Wilson in for the likes of Callahan or McGuinness, you know, they're two experienced players who are losing there. And obviously, you know, you're bringing in the energy to try to strike that balance, but there also might be that bit of naivety as well. So, yeah, I think between, you know, four and six. But as long as, you know, maybe if you get it to at least 60 minutes or so, and then you could say, you know, like that Wembley game where 
you know, if um, Hamilton had put that chance in, we would have been, it would have been a completely different game. I would have been ejected game. from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, it was in the last kind of few times we played, well, obviously not the, the Windsor game, we were just simply a class, but yeah. the other few times, you know, we played them where it's kind of been, they need to bring the firepower off the bench to really break us down. So as long as we can be rigid like that, you know, I think in this one it is a spirit of performance is, is all accounts, I think, even managing a few a few shots on target would be great because this segment team just is I think people just do have to you know face the reality that it is a far far superior team and oh, yeah. one of the favourites for the Euros well I think they are the favourites for the Euros I think they're by far and away the best team in this competition and I would be very surprised if they don't win it I really hope they don't I'm, I just have to say I really really hope they don't like there's everything about them so irritating not particularly this team actually this team's quite likeable but as ever it's everything that comes around it and they don't really have that sort of middle England mentality with the supporters but still it's England and I can't be bothered I really can't be bothered with them being good um, I think Germany might have a chance I haven't seen them yesterday well that, that's the other thing I think yeah. if they um, if they well England are going to win the group it looks like they're going to play Spain in the in the quarterfinals they've obviously lost is it Pateas is the, yeah. is the big player yeah. they've, they've lost her but before they lost her people were talking about Spain as potentially being the only team that could 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 match England really, so that'll be an interesting quarterfinal for them. Um, France too are looking quite tasty. I mean, they absolutely humped Italy, didn't they? 5-1. Yes, yeah, five one. Yeah, so no, I think they all hit their coach. They all hit their. Coach. Oh, there's a shot. <laughs> France, France taking a big huff at a major tournament. Yeah, yes, I've seen it all before. <laughs> they love a strike, don't they? Um, yeah, just to rattle through the England teams, it's the same 11 that, that started those first two games. I can't remember if I said that on the podcast or before. Uh, Erps in goal, Lucy Bronze at right back. I mean, even the, the right backs want a Ballon d'Or. Like, come on, what on earth are we meant to compete with here? Uh, Bright, Williamson and Daly at the back. Stanway and Walsh kind of being a two in midfield. Frank Kirby, who most people actually didn't think were even, was even going to go to the Euros, never mind start these games, which he started in the number 10. And then it's Mead and Hemp either side of, of Ellen White, who can quite frankly stick her glasses celebration where the sun doesn't shine. But um, something we mentioned, Lauren, I'll, I'll come to you on this dead quickly, was, you know, as much as England are probably going to make some changes to their team and there are players, not just because they have to rest the players, but there's players on the bench, world-class players who will be like, well, if, I can't, if I'm not getting a game here, when am I getting a game? She's going to have to keep them happy. But as I say, the players they're bringing in are top quality Champions League WSL players are, are playing in the, the top leagues in Europe. The players we're bringing in are playing for the likes of Cliftonville, Glenn Tornlinfield and, and Science Swift, whatever, whoever it may be. But it is interesting that that the players I, I mentioned just before the podcast that haven't had a start, the outfield players haven't had a start. I don't think he's going to play, you know, Becky Flaherty in goal. I think Jackie Burns is going to definitely retain her place. But Ashley Hutton, Laura Rafferty, Louise McDaniel, Julie Andrews, Emily Wilson, and Caitlin McGuinness are the only are the only outfield players not to get a start. If you told me that any of those were going to start against England, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. I could see an argument for any of them. Hutton's maybe a little bit more of a sentimental one, and, and Kenny will have to assess whether, well, obviously Hutton's level pre-injury, absolutely more than capable of playing in this team, but w- whether she's able to come back and, and, and put in a performance now. Laura Rafferty can obviously play a couple of different positions, but played in the back three against Ukraine and was fantastic. Obviously, it's her home club and home ground as well. McDaniel, we've talked about Andrews as well. And I think we mentioned Emily Wilson had a really good game when she came on against Austria. And McGuinness as well, who's come on as a sub in both these games. Do you think there will be a little bit of that, of, of Kenny trying to get... Obviously, I think he's got everyone on the pitch, hasn't he? Barr, Hutton and Rafferty. But do you think there, there will be a bit of that? It's the whole squad that's got us here. It's it's the collective that's got us here. So I'm going to give everyone a taste of the action. Or do you think, how, how sort of sentimental can you be in, against such amazing opposition? 
Yeah, I think he's quite loyal as well to the players that got there. So they're obviously got him there. So there is the argument for Hutton coming in. But I'm not quite sure how many games she played for Limfield before she did go away. I know she did come back and play a few. Um, but I'm not too sure, you know, how ready she will be. But then obviously there's that argument with Callahan as well, who was out for, you know, six weeks before um, missing six or seven Cliffinal games and then obviously coming into the Euros. And then Rafferty, it, it's a strange one because, you know, it's does it should play in the back three and then are you changing to your back three or the wing back and the wing backs are going to be so crucial um, no matter who plays for England in that one so I feel like those are the two positions the left and right wing back are ones who really want to get right so I'm, I'm not so sure if she'll feature and then further up the field do you, you think uh, just on that do you think that he might go Vance back out to left wing back just because it's kind of more of the centre half playing or the more defensive one playing outside rather than Holloway um, and then you can sort of fit, you can kind of make it four centre halves at the back and then either Abby McGee or McKenna at wing back. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it was strange watching on the other night because it seemed Holloway lined up in the, the wing back position, but it kept Vance was advancing further for, excuse upon advancing further forward um, each time. There's a the pod know, title. <laughs> each time Northern Ireland were getting forward he was the furthest one forward on that side so there was kind of that interchange so I could see something similar maybe happening again if you put Hutton in and maybe Vance just goes directly out to the left wing back um, so that could be an interesting one I, I think Abby McGee has to come back in and I thought Rebecca were kind of did quite well but I think McGee yeah, was, was good when she came on um, and then yeah in midfield it's kind of a toss up and up front as well I think it's a toss up either Andrews or McDaniel and then either Wilson or McGuinness in those positions I tell you what, by the way, if you go for a back five of McGee, McFadden, Nelson, Hutton and Vance, that is like, I don't care who you are or what quality you have, that is a, like a strong back five. Who is not going to let, you know, either the ball may get passed or you might get passed, but certainly not both of you. I think that will be the mentality if, if he goes for that. Can't quite see it. I think it'll be um, maybe one of Rafferty or, or Burroughs in the back with with Nelson and McFadden. I think maybe was, Hutton will come on for the last last week. It's funny, I was listening to Five Lives commentary um, on the first half of the Austria game and listened back to it because there's some, normally some good stuff uh, from it. And Ian Dowie's niece, and I forget her first name. Is it Natalie Dowie? Um, anyway, she was going on about uh, McGee and how much she rates her uh, and loves loves watching her as a player. And she's obviously, I think she played, uh, Dowie played for England and had quite a successful career, but she was, um, why actually never called about McGee um, on that side. So I, I think she will definitely come back in, you know, based on the performance that she had. I thought she was very unlucky, by the way, not to not start both, but yeah, it'd definitely be good to see her back in. Yeah, I, th- I think McKenna, just because of the role that she's played in the last year, obviously coming in from McGee and probably was our, arguably our, one of her best players over those two games. I think McGill was probably the best against Ukraine, though. McKenna came in and was colossal and obviously got her move across the water from that. But Stuart, I know you've got to get back to work soon, so um, just just go off and, and have a little bit of a chat about sort of the team you'd like to see, the changes you'd like to see, and uh, feel free to name your team if, if you want to do that. But what are there any particular type of players that maybe we've talked about or maybe we haven't that you'd like to see come in or the type of approach you'd like to see on Friday night? I think it's a real difficult one because there's the hard head mentality here. Um, in one sense, you want to make sure that all the play, because this is, this is part of a journey. I think this is one of the, the major things we need to think about this. It's like, you know, the whole after the Lord's Mayor show, we've still got two World Cup qualifiers to go as far as I'm yeah. um, aware. Is that right? Yeah. Um, in September. So it's really important that we're building onto this. And granted, we can't qualify, but those games are massive in September. And I do feel that there, there may be 
sentiment coming into this. How many of these players are going to be available for the next Euros or the next cycle when that, that comes up? And I do think it's important that likes of Lee's McDaniel, Caitlin McGuinness, Rafferty, people who haven't started the matches do get some game time because they are going to, this experience for them is going to be massive moving forward. The Harvey Head mentality is, likes of Ashley Hutton, I personally would like to see her take on the field at some point in time. She has to be on the pit she field. Has to be, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, she has to play some part because it yeah. might be the, cur- the you know, towards the end of her career, certainly, as it is for a number of them. I just, I just don't know what we're going to... There's two things. This is probably not going to give the most insightful insight to this, but in one sense, I don't know what we're going to learn by going out and just trying to be really open and just attacking them because I think we could be absolutely crushed. Yeah. Okay, and that would worry about the lasting impact of that. At the same point in time, if we're out and we're overly cautious, not epic back five that you just mentioned there, Andy. You know, in many ways, you could argue, well, we didn't lay a glove on England, or we, you know, we we didn't. We were probably way too cautious. My concern is that it's after this is over, after the final whistle, and what we're going to build on. And is it 12, 10, 11 nil hammering because we're really open and went for England? Are we yeah. going to learn anything from that? Yeah. Or is actually a more cautious approach where we're, to what I said earlier, we're still matching them for energy, but we're not going, we're not exposing ourselves as much as we can. That would be my concern. So I'd probably err on the side of caution. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's more than it's more than just one game. Absolutely, yeah, and I think I think as Megan said when when she was on the podcast with us, Lauren, you know, there Kenny tells them to work hard, not smart, and if there's three on the edge of the box looking to press a goal kick, they're not going to try and you know play it through the box. But I think you, they're going to do that when they can, but also they're going to be sensible at this. And I think you know, the the mistakes that, that have kind of been made in the first two games against lesser opposition will will give them that warning shot that if 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 you know really can't make any silly mistakes against England because they're gonna score probably enough goals of their own. I know that's probably quite a negative way of looking at it, but they're gonna they have enough quality of their own to score their own goals without without us essentially gifting them some. Uh, Lauren, just to finish, I'll name you a team that I would like to see. Uh Jackie Burns, McGee at right back, uh, right wing back I suppose, but more sort of right back, I think. Nelson McFadden. And uh, I'm undecided in the centre half. I'd, I'd be a little bit worried to put Hutton in there with uh, to kind of have three um, older players in just because of the quality and the legs England have. So I think maybe one of Burroughs or Rafferty, but then again, Rafferty's getting on a little bit. So maybe Kelsey Burroughs to come back in, I would say. Uh, Vance at left wing back, Furness, McCarran, and Andrews, I think I would go for. Um, just for that little bit of extra maybe running and, and legs in the midfield, whereas McDaniel's maybe a little bit more attacking quality. And when you've got Furness in the team, you're kind of relying on a moment from her. And then it go Wilson and Wade up front. I think Wade has to play. I think she has not a lot of joy in attack, but I think just her pace and um, and just pushing the defenders sort of five, 10 yards back has been important to us to make sure the ball isn't just sort of constantly coming back wave after wave. I think Wilson's hold-up play as well as you're running in behind will be important to us. I think she just edges that over Caitlin McGuinness for me, which I suspect you might disagree with. But um, <laughs> apart from that, 11, what would you change about that? Yeah, that would be the only one. I think that's a pretty solid back five. I, I like Kelsey Burrows. I think she's really grown into the team um, and will be, you know, one of the mainstays of the centre-backs for years to come and I think yeah Andrews maybe is just that wee bit more disciplined than McDaniel who's you know a wee bit more f- forward thinking especially if Cliff Mills is kind of a free role but I would probably just um put McGuinness in there just ahead of Wilson I really like her hold up play and um 
I, I think she is quite pacey as well. So her and Wade, I think, would be good up front. But yeah, that would be the only kind of change I would make. Okay. Any, so Andy, I was going to ask you, is there any player in the first two games that on the strength of their performance that we think actually could be in line for a move, you want know, to hire things, move from the Irish League or elsewhere? Has anyone sort of stood out in that regard? So that's a good question. I think probably the players that have, the players that have stood out the most, well, the player that stood out the most is, is Sarah McFadden, who's already over there. And even if she was back home, then I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure full time teams are taking a punt on uh, on a 35 year old part time player at this point. I think the other one for me has been McCarran, who clearly looks a little bit of a class above the rest of them. But she's obviously been over to England, so whether she wants to try that herself. You know, obviously, she'd probably be going to a, to, to a championship club at this stage. She shouldn't really cut it in the WSL. She probably has to prove herself at that level. You know, it's between sort of part-time at home, where she's, you know, she's got a partner back home. She's obviously got, she's a little bit of a homebird as well from 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 chatting to her. Um, I'm not really sure anyone else has quite merited that. Lauren, I suppose, Wade and McGuinness, or sorry, um, Wilson and McGuinness could be in that, but they'd probably need a start and a good performance to maybe directly prove that. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't really know if that's kind of what McGuinness would want. I don't really think that's an area she'd be looking at. Um, maybe McGee. Um, if people have watched Cliftonville as well, because she's she's been playing this season, but um, yeah, that's kind of McCarran and McKay would probably be McGee would be the only ones. The other ones, you know, are kind of settled in the Irish league. I would say. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, Kenny sort of made the point as well when he came on here that he likes having them in, in Northern Ireland. And there's only well, he said that aside from the sort of top clubs in England, the, the coaching you're getting at Northern Ireland and, and having that benefit of playing with the girls week in week out and having that club feel that you don't quite get. For other international teams, um, I think that benefits them, them a lot more. So it's, it's kind of weighing that up for them as well. Because some players have gone across the water and have found themselves you know, uh, out of favour compared to the, the Irish mm-hmm. players in the first couple of games, which you wouldn't have expected. Um, but we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much to both of you for coming on. We will have something out after England. If we beat England, Lauren is going to... Well, Lauren is going to New York anyway. Lauren and Stuart are doing a podcast and I am flying out to New York to join them on it. So just let's make that absolutely clear. If there is a Jerry Armstrong moment, that will be happening. But uh, all joking aside, we will have something out after that. Doing a little bit of a review uh, of Northern Ireland at the Euros. I'm not sure when that will be. There's no, obviously, time pressure on that one. Um, but really appreciate the support that, that, that we've had so far. Um, thank you very much to Lauren and Stuart for their time again. Um, I'll get this out for a couple of days before the game and we'll get something out after the game so yes thank you very much really enjoying these uh, and see you again next time bye bye